Hello, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Evan Brand. Thanks for joining me. If you missed out on the Better Belly course, enrollment will open back up maybe late spring, maybe summer. I'm not sure yet, but we have over 300 new students, so congratulations to all of you that have joined. I think you're going to be very happy with your investment. You're going to get the certificate of completion at the end, but more importantly than the piece of paper, you're going to get a lifetime of information that you can use to help you, your clients, your family members, your patients, if you're working personally with people, clinically with people, or just working on yourself, that is the course that's really going to help you do it. Take back your health using functional medicine strategies that I use in the clinic that I diluted. No, I didn't dilute it. I What's the word? Distilled? Yes, that's the word. I distilled it and put it into the course. So I hope you enjoy and welcome to all the new students. I will be on standby. If you need further consults and help, you can schedule with me or Megan. And we can help walk you through if you need any hand-holding or protocol implementation, things like that. We love doing those. I love doing case study reviews with all my practitioners. It's a blast to help other practitioners in their clinic. So that's what we're here for. Now, before we get into today's podcast, this is all about low dopamine. This is actually one of my most watched YouTube videos ever. I don't know if you're subscribed to the YouTube channel, but I will put the link in the show notes. My YouTube page, I have over, I want to say it was 50 or 60,000 downloads of the particular video that was all about low dopamine. I think it's actually the top, like like if you look up low dopamine, it's like one of the most popular videos that exist on YouTube, which is, which is pretty cool. But more importantly, uh, the signs, the symptoms, and solutions, that's what I cover. So I will put a link to that video so you can check it out and also subscribe to my YouTube if you would like. Basically, I try to take hour-long podcast topics, convert them into a five-minute video, and I'm on screen doing a whiteboard presentation. So a lot of people love those. We've got 15,000 of you subscribed, so we'd love to see you there, and you can comment on the videos, and it's a lot more interactive than a podcast. So that's that, but we're going to dive into that today. If you need help clinically, please reach out. I have 15-minute free consults available where we can discuss your health symptoms, your goals. We can suggest some potentials to where we're going to be looking in regards to lab testing to help you get to the bottom of your health issues. So please reach out if you need help. That is at evanbrand.com. And if you would like to look and browse my professional catalog of supplements, check out auraroots.com, A-U-R-A, roots, R-O-O-T-S.com. That is where we have all of our professional formulas, ranging from my vitamin C tonic powder, which is delicious, to my electrolytes, which is called Hydration Essentials, which I take a scoop of every day. Funny story, my grandma, uh, she is an amazing woman. She was sick the other day. She had vomiting. She had diarrhea. She got really, really depleted. And so I gave her my electrolytes. And she took them at like 9 p.m. And we have ribose and some other various amino acids in there that really help fuel the brain, that really help fuel the heart. And she didn't know that she shouldn't take it late. So I called her the next morning to check on her. Grandma, how you feeling? She's like, well, I didn't sleep that, that much last night, Ev. My brain was so alert. And I was like, oh, oops. Did you take the electrolytes? Yeah. What time did you take them? Oh, about 9 o'clock. Oh, no. So... And don't take the electrolytes at 9 o'clock and be like my grandmother because then you'll stay up till 4 a.m. because your mind is going to be so alert because you're going to be fueled by ribose and carnitine and creatine and all the other amazing nutrients that we put into it. That is called Hydration Essentials. That is on my AuraRoots.com website. I've got the enzymes. I've got my new ProBio 50, 
which is a 50 billion multi-strain shelf-stable probiotic that is absolutely incredible. I take it every day. For any of those with food intolerances, histamine issues, this has over 32 billion of just bifido alone, which is incredible for regulating histamine in the gut. So that is called ProBio 50. That may be another product to consider on my store. But if you're working with me clinically, then just take my advice. I will tell you when to use that. That little plug is just for those people that want to explore. So check it out, and let's get right into the podcast on dopamine. Evan, what's going on, man? How you doing? Oh, doing well. Let's dive in. This is a fun one. You know, we've been looking at dopamine for many years. I mean, over a thousand times, you and I have looked at different clients around the world, and I would say there are some people that have normal dopamine, like we'll see it occasionally, but as a general rule, the people that are reaching out to us, I would say resemble the same as like your typical American because typical Americans probably less healthy than our clients. Our our clients are trying to be healthy and they still have low dopamine. And what does this look like symptom-wise? Let's go straight into that. So we got to give credit where credit's due. Julia Ross did an amazing job with her book, The Mood Cure. I think that actually came out in maybe the 80s, the 90s, but then she's done new versions of it. But she's got a chart in her book about low dopamine. And so... I'm just going to run top to bottom real quick of symptoms because I think this is where people need to, to, to think, oh, this is not just me. This is potentially dopamine or the catecholamines in general. And it's craving pick-me-ups, so like caffeine, sweets, starches, chocolate, apathetic depression, lack of energy, lack of drive, lack of focus, concentration, attention deficit disorder, easily bored. That's low catecholamines, and then she goes into treatments, but we're not ready for that yet. So that's kind of what you're you're looking for, and this can happen in kids too, right? So parents think, oh, my kid's just a crazy kid. No, they could have low dopamine. We've seen it many, many times in children, and I think a lot of it is just due to toxicity from various sources. 100%. So just to kind of dovetail a little bit more kind of root cause stuff or just kind of laying the foundation, what is dopamine? You kind of already talked about what some of those symptoms are, which are important. But dopamine, it's a feel-good neurotransmitter. It's going to help with focus. It's part of the pleasure reward system in the brain. Um, It's also known as the motivation molecule. It's also known as the I love you molecule. It's that little bit of, you know, your little bit of squirt comes out on that dopamine when you have that feeling of connection or loved one with your family or spouse. Um, It gives you that little bit of sense of satisfaction when you make your bed or you clean up your home or you achieve something at work or with your family, right? that little bit of pleasure you get. So dopamine is very important. It also helps with stress. It helps with um, dealing with signaling from the brain down to the ovaries or to the adrenals in regards to healthy stress communication from the brain or healthy sex hormone communication to the to the gonads. In men, it can help with libido. In women, healthy levels of dopamine are very important for keeping prolactin in check. When dopamine goes low, prolactin can increase and that can throw off the female hormone cycle. It can throw off FSH and LH and can start to cause imbalances in estrogen and progesterone. So dopamine doesn't just affect one thing, which is just mood, but it helps you manage stress. It helps you feel good and it also can affect your hormones, which then can affect a lot of mood issues, especially as a female as you enter the end of your luteal phase and you go into premenstrual time, that seven-day time before you menstruate, or it can also have a big effect on guys just causing low libido and giving you a short wire. So all those things are possible connections for sure. 
Wow. Yeah, you did a great job painting the picture. And on the, I guess, the far end of the spectrum in terms of issues with dopamine is Parkinson's disease is definitely connected to this, right? I'm not saying that low dopamine necessarily is the cause of Parkinson's. I think there's a lot of causes and things that go into that. But the way that they treat Parkinson's, for example, is they're going to use some type of a drug like levodopa that's going to work yeah. on. Uh, it's, levodopa. They're going to basically... They'll yep, give you, you the precursors it. for dopamine, and yeah, and then uh, and and then in terms of less patheno, you know, less pathogenic levels, like less disease level state of of treatment. This is where you know all the college students know it's going to be the whole amphetamine category. It's going to yes. be like your Adderalls, your Vyvanses, maybe even cocaine. Those are really going to hit. Those are really going to hit that, and they're going to be agonists. What are called agonists of dopamine. Yeah, so in general, the, the carbidopa, the levodopa, the, these basic, um, more pharmaceutical-based dopamine type of analogs are used for sure. The problem with a lot of those is they don't really give you a lot of the building blocks to make it. And then also, when you take a lot of dopamine support, if you take high levels of it, over time, you're actually going to deplete serotonin because the aromatic decarboxylase enzyme that helps you metabolize dopamine or help you metabolize the precursors, whether it's phenylalanine to tyrosine to L-dopa to dopamine, those require um, specific enzymes. Those enzymes also get upregulated when you're taking a lot of those um, building blocks and it metabolizes serotonin. So you can actually create some functional serotonin imbalances when you're doing high dose dopamine support. Now there is a direct connection, obviously Parkinson's, it's more of an autoimmune issue where your substantia nigra, which are the cells that make dopamine in the midbrain, they get destroyed, you know, for a lot of different reasons. So it could be yeast-based, it could be autoimmune, contributed by gluten or heavy metals. It could be a whole bunch of stuff, right? Conventional medicine isn't really aware on what the, a lot of the root causes, but we know there's a lot of weird autoimmune stuff at play. So that's important to know. Now, if we see someone on the Parkinson's side, yeah, we may want to support that. It depends on how bad they are, if they need to be on the pharmaceuticals. But if they if they are, you know, we're going to be supporting all the building blocks like B6 and the B vitamin family and folate and methylated B12, all methylated. We're going to be giving high quality magnesium, uh, vitamin C, uh, maybe a little bit of calcium. Uh, cysteine and sulfur amino acids are very, very important when you're making a lot of these brain chemicals. You need good, good sulfur to help with that conversion, whether it's cysteine or SAMI or methionine, you need good cysteine to help norepinephrine to epinephrine conversion and, do and dopamine is a, a precursor to that. So the problem is when you chronically are stressed, your body will take dopamine and it will go dopamine to epinephrine to norepinephrine. And so the problem is you'll pull dopamine to go down these adrenaline pathways. Epinephrine, norepinephrine are all going to be catecholamines or adrenaline, right? Adrenaline, epinephrine, catecholamines, they're all the same way of saying the same thing. Conventional medicine loves to confuse people. So you have dopamine, it can go down the stress pathway. So fixing whatever that chronic stress is, emotional, physical, whatever it is, sleep, food, you have to fix that or you're gonna be always pulling dopamine to go downstream to your stress hormones. Same thing in women with progesterone. Progesterone, chronically stressed, you'll go progesterone downstream to cortisol. So you gotta fix that so you don't overly pull these good brain chemicals downstream to manage stress. And yeah, great explanation. And what you're saying sounds kind of crazy, right? Like on your average street corner, this conversation would blow people's minds. They'd be like, what 
in God's name is this guy talking about? This is not an uncommon situation, though. This is extremely common. Like, the way you're talking and the way I'm listening, I'm trying to, like, listen as, like, an onlooker to this conversation. They would think, oh, wow, this sounds crazy. I don't have Parkinson's, so it sounds like I'm okay. No, there are major, major, major dopamine issues among the general population, and we talked about those symptoms briefly, how it manifests. This could be where you can't get up in the morning. Now, that could be a low cortisol situation too, right? You have permission, as you say, you have permission to have multiple things wrong. So it could be a you wake up in the morning, you don't want to get out of bed. When you do get out of bed, you really don't want to get the day started. You're just kind of lethargic. You can't really focus. You can't concentrate. You're really having tough time getting yourself together. These are the people that say, oh God, you know, don't schedule anything with me before 11 a.m. because I am spent. I am toast in the morning. It could be a low cortisol, but it could be a low dopamine thing too. So uh, you had already mentioned some of the nutrients, but also uh, we like to use the amino acids. Like we'll come in and use things based on testing. So can you guess and check? I guess that's one question I want to bring up, one conversation piece. Can you just guess and check? Can you look at symptoms alone and then just come in with supplements? Yes, you can, but I would argue that you would probably want to test it because as you're mentioning the endorphins, the catecholamines, it'd be nice to look at things like your uh, norepinephrine, your epinephrine levels on organic acids testing because if there's more emotional sensitivity stuff, you and, a, you and I might come in with something like a DL-phenylalanine as opposed to just a straight tyrosine. So like tyrosine, we may come in for dopamine or the velvet bean, the macuna purins, we may come in with that for dopamine. But if we see low endorphins, we might want to do a combo. Maybe we do a little bit of DLPA, which some converts over to dopamine, but there may be a bigger endorphin problem. So this is where getting a good urine organic acids testing done initially helps because we'll also look at serotonin. And as you mentioned, I want to tell a quick story about what you said. You talked about how supplementing and working on dopamine pathway long-term can affect serotonin. Uh, I had a yoga teacher as a client one time, and she had been taking long-term brain support, but she was just spot treating, like one amino acid, but not all the others. And we looked at her brain chemistry, and it was completely shifted. She had completely boosted up some brain chemistry and completely depleted other brain chemistry. So it's like a spider web is kind of the way I talk about it. Like if you touch this side of the web, you're going to affect the other side of the web. So that's why you want to be targeted with your approach when you're coming in with nutrients. 100%. So we have specific nutrients. We talk about the conventional medical approach that are giving the cinnamon or the levodopa or carbidopa that can create a lot of problems in the long run because it can decrease serotonin. And then a lot of times it can deplete a lot of the sulfur. And so a lot of times there can be a toxicity component with low dopamine, whether it's mold or heavy metals or pesticides or just recreational drug use. I've, I've heard of patients doing, you know, let's just say more cocaine or more stimulant medications that can actually deplete your dopamine because you're basically flooding a lot of the dopamine past that synapse and you're basically whipping a tired horse, right? So stimulants are like the way of whipping a tired horse, right? Feeding and nourishing a tired horse, right? Constructive vehicles are like good nutrition, sleep, hydration, good, adequate, nutrient-dense foods, right? Healthy proteins, healthy fats. That's like constructive vehicles. Destructive vehicles are gonna be stimulants, methamphetamines, uh, cocaine, Adderall, Vyvanse, all these different things that are gonna just overly whip you, right? too much caffeine, too much coffee. That's like whipping a tired horse. Short term, can it work? Sure, right? Long term, definitely not. So we really wanna make sure that when we're working with people, 
we're kind of drawing a line between constructive and destructive vehicles because the goal is never just to fix the symptoms now because we can do that with short-term destructive vehicles, right? We want to use constructive vehicles that fix it and actually heal it in the long term. And we want to make sure whatever those diet and lifestyle habits that kind of drove this to begin with, we want to make sure those are at least neutralized or we at least have enough habits to kind of balance out the healing on the other side of the fence. So we always got to look upstream at the organ systems that may not be functioning well, adrenals, female hormones, looking at adrenaline because adrenaline plays an important role with the adrenals because when the adrenals are overly stimulating cortisol or have been chronically stimulated, cortisol and adrenaline and noradrenaline or epinephrine and norepinephrine, same word, don't get confused there, uh, they play a big role. And so epinephrine and, and adrenaline, they all are like the first responder that gets cortisol ready to go and primed. So when people talk about cortisol stress and adrenal stress, it's impossible to have chronic cortisol stress and not have some type of adrenaline or epinephrine stress alongside because they work side by side. Yeah, well said. And then I would say the gut's tied in, maybe not as much with dopamine as it is serotonin, but we rarely see issues like this happening with a perfect gut situation because we know that the amino acids you're going to get from your proteins assuming you're digesting your proteins well those are going to help and act as precursors for brain chemicals so we will look into the gut too i mean we can do urine testing and look at neurotransmitters like i know the dutch looks at neurotransmitters a bit i prefer the organic acid panel you know uh from uh, in doing because I do a mold panel with it, so I prefer that for brain chemistry. But the gut's still important, and we've seen, which is kind of interesting, just by improving people's gut, we've seen neurotransmitters come back online without having to specifically supplement brain chemistry nutrients, which is pretty cool. 100%. So when we look at someone's dopamine, we always got to get to the root cause, right? Can a crappy diet with just too much refined sugar cause low dopamine? Yes, right? That's a, that's a destructive vehicle. High amounts of sugar, high amounts of alcohol can flood dopamine past that synapse, and it can create that dopamine rush that people are looking for. Um, chronic stress can obviously can things just like gluten exposure or some kind of a gut infection or gut inflammation or gut bug like you kind of alluded to? Absolutely. How? Because it can create stress and inflammation in the gut, and that can create malabsorption of important amino acids like your dopamine, phenylalanine, tyrosine, right? Your dopamine precursors, all those building blocks, all your sulfur as well. So of course, anything that affects gut absorption can have a major impact on those building blocks getting to where they have to go. It can create a bottleneck. Anytime we're just overly stressed, whether it's physical, chemical, or emotional stress, that's going to cause you to convert more of your dopamine to adrenaline, noradrenaline, epinephrine, norepinephrine to manage that stress. Same thing with women in, in cortisol, right? Women can go progesterone, right, to cortisol, and that can create estrogen dominance-like issues. And again, hormones with women can play a big role on your neurotransmitters. So adequate levels of progesterone can help with GABA. GABA can help relax relaxing, right? The more relaxed you are, the less chance that you're going to be converting dopamine to adrenaline. So you see how healthy female hormones and healthy cortisol levels play a role with not needing to overstimulate the neurotransmitters as well. They're all connected. Yep. Let's go into just some like basic stuff. I sent you a link in the chat you can check out, which is a good list that has some studies to back it up. So I'll just kind of run through a few of these kind of easy ones that people don't think about in regards to lifestyle. You hear about people talking about sunlight and dopamine. It is true. There is some, some papers on 
uh, dopamine being increased. And this is why a lot of people may get more seasonally depressed in the winter. I think a lot of it's more serotonin, but I do believe dopamine has a factor. Um, exercise, of course, increases dopamine, meditation, yoga, touch, massage, music. We've already hit on the foods. We've already hit on some supplements. Um, interestingly enough, Hooperzine, which we love Hooperzine. I use Hooperzine in a lot of brain nutrients. So we all we often use Hooperzine to increase acetylcholine. Acetylcholine, yeah, memory learning. But, but I didn't know this. It also increases dopamine. There was a paper here. It says it increased dopamine by 129% above baseline with Hooperzine. I thought it was primarily working on the acetylcholinesterase enzyme, but apparently— It's all connected. Yeah. I know with serotonin and dopamine, you can you can help support GABA just by having healthy serotonin and dopamine. So everything's connected. So when you True. work kind of you know above, below, inside out, you tend a lot of these things tend to trickle down and, and support that healing. Resveratrol, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Resveratrol increases dopamine by fifty three percent. Oregano, that's pretty cool. We typically use oregano for gut infections, but apparently it's increasing dopamine levels by decreasing dopamine breakdown. So it must be working on that enzyme again. Yeah, makes sense. Interesting. Cool. Probiotics. So, lacto, yeah. Last one here. Lactobacillus plantarum. That'll increase dopamine. So that's pretty cool. I mean, we, you and I have seen this thousands of times where we see that mood issues improve by fixing the gut, and that would include probiotics. So there's a mechanism that we didn't you know, necessarily think right off the top of the head. Lactobacillus helping. I know also vitamin D and curcumin. Anything that tends to be more on the anti-inflammatory side can help. I know vitamin D plays a big role, obviously helping with immune. But that can also play a big role in helping with dopamine as well. Curcumin plays a big role as well. Um, it increases serotonin and dopamine levels in mice, which is very interesting. We'd already talked about tyrosine um, and phenylalanine. Typically, we use tyrosine over phenylalanine because it's, it's a little bit later on in that transition, that conversion. We may even use some L-DOPA. But I recommend don't use L-DOPA just if you're an in, you know just a regular person trying it out. It can be a little bit potent. And if you do too much of high dopamine, um, precursors, especially L-DOPA, because it's so potent, you can feel incredibly spaced out and almost drunk. Uh, it's it's pretty bad. Like you don't want to be operating a vehicle if you do too much dopamine. It's it, you're pretty disoriented and loopy. I've done it a couple times by accident as I was dosing up. So it's harder to do that with tyrosine support. But you know all your B vitamins, all your methyl donors, B6 and B9, which is folate or B12, methylated. You know B1, two, and three, thymine. Uh, riboflavin, niacin are all very important. We talked about the sulfur, how an important role that plays. And then, you know, of course, your, your good uh, curcumin and fish oil, they all have kind of a monoamine oxidase in inhibition. So monoamines are like, um, these are going to be things that help break down our monoamine inhibitors. They basically allow these neurotransmitters to hang out between the synapses longer. So you have a presynaptic synapse, a postsynaptic and this is the synaptic cleft where they kind of hang out. And anytime you can delay the breakdown of that, you're going to increase the levels of that neurotransmitter between them. Now, the problem is when you do drugs or SNRIs, right, serotonin or selective norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors, right, you can get a short-term bump. But the problem is the longer you cause those brain chemicals to hang out there, the faster they break down. So you end up kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul, so to speak. So some of the natural yeah. compounds that help that can be better because it's kind of more of a gentle nudge versus uh, overdoing it and causing more of a problem. Yeah. So you, I want to hit on one thing. Now, this is like low dopamine we're talking about, not high dopamine. But one thing that we've seen clinically I think may be important is the issue with clostridia. 
and Clostridia being a bacteria that really messes up the enzyme. Yes. The yes. Long, long word. It's going to make me sound smarter than I am, but it's called dopamine beta hydroxylase. That's the enzyme that gets messed up with Clostridia. And we've seen it so many times. And I, we see it a lot in kids. And we see it in kids that have behavioral issues. And so that would be a situation where testing comes in because you may look at a kid and think, oh, they're, they're you know, bouncing all over the place. They're not focused. It actually could be a high dopamine situation. We've seen it many times. And you have to come in and fix those gut infections. You've got to come in and really address that clostridia first, and then the brain chemistry will fix itself. So there are some situations where just assuming you have low dopamine, throwing amino acids at somebody would not be a good strategy. Correct. So when we're looking at someone and we're trying to assess, is there a neurotransmitter component? We're always kind of looking at the dietary component because if we don't get nutrient dense foods with lots of good B vitamins and lots of full spectrum essential amino acids, especially from animal products, we're going to have problems. If we're not able to break those foods down with adequate enzymes or HCL, we're going to have problems. So if we have a lot of adrenal stress or hormone imbalances, that can play a big role and hormones play a big role in helping to allow those neurotransmitters to work better and to hang out longer between the synapses, okay? Especially females, because progesterone and estrogen dominance can play a big role in that too. And the other component is chronic infections can affect the absorption of a lot of these things and create bottlenecks. But we'll also run organic acid tests alongside to see how these metabolites look. So we may run things like vanomandolate or homovanolate, which give us a window into homovanolate dopamine and give us a window into vanomandolate adrenaline. So if we have higher amounts of adrenaline, that means we're pulling a lot of that dopamine to make it. Or if we have low amounts of adrenaline, that tells me that those pathways have probably been whipped like a tired horse for a long time, and now, now that amount's low, probably because there's some level of depletion upstream with dopamine. And same with dopamine. If we see low dopamine, that tells us there's depletion. If there's a chronic high dopamine metabolism, we've been whipping that tired horse. And we kind of treat, I treat dopamine high and adrenaline high as like the same thing. You're just overstimulating that pathway, and we got to calm it down. Yeah, and I've seen it a lot in, let's talk about some of the people. Like, when and where are we seeing this? I mean, technically, it could be anyone, right? But I would say after having babies, so women, we'll, we'll see, you know, depleted neurotransmitters after babies. I mean, you're up all night, you know, yep. you're, you're, you're stressed, you're, you're breastfeeding middle of the night. So I would say new moms, we see this quite a lot. I think some of the whole postpartum depression, yep. there's a lot of mechanisms. Mm -hmm, Have we mm -hmm. done a show on that, by the way? Maybe we should add that to the list. Yeah, Have we, we done should. a postpartum? No, we should do that. That's a great, okay. great call. So, so we'll have to hit that. But I think part of that goes into the neurotransmitters. I know there's a big hormonal mm -hmm. change too, but I think new moms would be a big one. I would say business owners, CEOs, entrepreneurs, uh, maybe pilots that are changing a lot of time zones, anybody working more than I'd say 40 to 50 hours a week. I mean, you see 60, 70 hour work week people, they're going to be depleted. I would say uh, night shift workers, ER workers, doctors, nurses, you know, frontline healthcare workers, those people generally were seeing a lot of brain chemistry stuff. They're just burning the candle. It's stress. What else? Am I missing anybody? Can you think of any other like big patient population group that would be affected by this? I mean, I would just say if you have an eating disorder as well, anorexia, chronic low calorie eating, all those things can be, you know, a real thing. People talk about a lot of the benefits of fasting, but if you aren't getting enough nutrition, that, that benefit of fasting becomes anorexia pretty fast, right? Anorexia is basically just starvation, chronic low calorie, which low calorie equals low nutrition as well. And so if you're chronically fasting and you're 
that's leading to a chronic low calorie diet, that's a problem too. So we have that component we got to keep an eye on. So if we're going to be doing fasting, well, you got to make sure it's a punctuated fast. Or if you're doing more intermittent fasting, you still have to make sure you're getting enough nutrition during that compressed six to eight hour feeding window. Yeah, that's good advice. Yeah, the eating disorder one is huge. And people might not even know. They might not be, you don't have to be diagnosed. I mean, even this whole idea of orthorexia, right, where people are trying so hard to be healthy. We did a, a podcast on that. I think people will get into that by accident. They're going too low carb. They're going too low calorie. Maybe they're having food reactions. So they're limiting their diet. And then boom, by accident, like you said, the neurotransmitters get affected. Then yeah. you're then you're not motivated to get back on track, right? So then once you're off track, then what happens? Well, maybe you go into too much sugar or too many cookies. I mean, you can, you know, there are effects. We're not just talking the brain chemistry in a vacuum here. We're talking how does this affect your life? Well, you know, getting things done, cleaning, organizing, taking care of your kids, getting your business done, doing your taxes. I mean, just all the stuff you need to get done becomes so much harder. If, you, if it's requiring an extreme amount of effort to get things done, consider cortisol, but also consider dopamine. Yeah, you really want to like look at the whole picture. So I know we're kind of really focused on dopamine today. So people listen to me would say, hey, I want to get my dopamine checked. That may be a good call, but I recommend looking at the everything, looking at at least the adrenals, looking at maybe some of the organic acids. Uh, if there's any gut issues at all, definitely look at the gut. Remember, half of all gut issues may be things like energy or brain fog or mood stuff. So people kind of have their gut connected to like bloating and diarrhea and constipation and acid reflux. That may not be the case. So I always tend to recommend look at all three body systems so you have a more holistic look and we always want to go upstream at the underlying systems that may be out of balance we also look at the underlying stressors that broke those systems down to begin with whether it's chronic exercise chronic exercise can be people that are looking for that runner's high that dopamine serotonin hit and over time they just that exercise is going to deplete it it's like a tired horse the right amount of exercise, not too much um, cardio can be very supportive and can be a gentle stimulant where you go over the top, too much CrossFit, too much long distance aerobic, that may actually cause a chronic depletion. So we got to we gotta hit it from both sides. We got to look at the underlying stressors, food sensitivities, gluten, inadequate sleep. Um, we can look at just overstress, um, maybe needing to add in things like meditation or visualization or appreciation or prayer, things like that to kind of help hit the gas pedal and help your body relax. Those are all very important too. Oh yeah. Good call on the athletes. I forgot to mention that one. I had a lady who was a runner and uh, she was a college student and she was running, I want to say it was either three or five miles a day. And we look at her brain chemistry. My God. I mean, it was one of the lowest dopamine and endorphin levels I've ever seen ever, except for a guy who was a real estate person who was doing cocaine. He was about the lowest brain chemistry I've ever seen, but this lady yeah, was a close second a tired horse. third. Yep. And man, I, t I just told her, I just said, look, just stop running. <laughs> I know you don't want to, but stop. You're addicted to it, but you're, you're tired. And we just got her on some gentle exercises. I told her, go for a walk, go for a hike, lift some weights, but keep your heart rate relatively low. And on the retest, her brain chemistry was amazing. Now, granted, we did do some supplementation too, but but yeah, so good call on the the overtrainers. How about personal trainers too? Maybe they're teaching people the movement, so they're just like working out all day. I think those people could be at risk as well. 100%. Yep, 100%. So looking at everything here, we always want to get to the root cause. So we talked about some of the nutrients, right? We talked about, um, we talked about some of the testing that we have to look at here. 
Um, we talked about the low-hanging fruit, right? Healthy proteins, healthy fats, you know, more more vegetables than fruit and starch out of the gates. Now, if you know that you do better with more fruit and starch because you're more leaner, you're already at a good weight, fine. Uh, people can overdo sugar and carbohydrates to increase dopamine levels too. So that sugar addiction, that's real. People talk about like, oh, I, I, I'm an emotional eater. What does that mean? It's, it's too like abstract for me. Like what, what I hear is, hey, I'm whipping that dopamine up so I feel good and can manage the stress of my day, right? I'm trying to artificially get my dopamine levels up and that's not good. So people that are emotionally eating, you're just trying to get that little whack of dopamine and that little whack of serotonin, which I get it in the short run, that, that may be okay if you're doing a clean piece of dark chocolate, something like that, but if you're overdoing lots of carbohydrate and sugar and inflammatory foods, not good. we rather use a lot more of the nutrients and other things to kind of get it up. So really wanna to get to the underlying cause, physical, chemical, emotional stress, look at the body systems, get some, you know, you want to test, not guess, use some of the natural supplements, stay away from the bigger, you know, L-DOPA stuff out of the gates, work with a good functional medicine practitioner like myself or Evan, evanbrand.com for Evan, justinhealth.com for myself, we'll put links down below and just start with the low-hanging fruit and if you want to dive in deeper, get some testing and start with the foundational things out of the gates. Evan, anything else you want to highlight? Yeah, great calls on all of it. Thanks for the website. So yeah, justinhealth.com or evanbrand.com. Please reach out. And the good news is you can reverse this and you can change things relatively quick. I mean, we're talking within just a few months, you can have a significantly different profile in regards to your neurotransmitter. So don't give up. If you're feeling depleted, you, you don't even have enough dopamine to click the subscribe button. Well, I hope this podcast gave you enough motivation to hit the subscribe button, share it, and then if you need to reach out, please do. We're here for you. We love helping people, and there is always hope. So hang in there. We appreciate it, guys. Also, down below, there's a little review link, justinhealth.com slash iTunes. Click that review. Really appreciate it. And you guys have a phenomenal day. Take care, Evan. Take care now. Bye. Bye-bye. As always, I hope you enjoyed that podcast. Hopefully you learned something. Hopefully you smiled a little. And now hopefully you have more dopamine because you listened to this podcast. No, but seriously, I measure low dopamine on organic acids all the time, and it's amazing to see the correlation between people's symptoms and the piece of paper. More importantly, it's great to see when you improve not only the piece of paper, but how they feel, giving people more drive, more focus, more concentration. Can't you use some of that? I sure can. I feel like I'm a pretty high performer, but you know, there are some days where I'm like, man, I wish I had a little more brain power. So, hey, it's possible. It's possible. In the meantime, if you'd like to reach out clinically, please do so. My website, evanbrand.com, has all the details. We talked in the beginning about some of my products. In regards to adaptogenic herbs combined with a little bit of N-acetyl-L-tyrosine, which would be a great adrenal and dopamine boost, consider my ADAPT product. Go on to auraroots.com, look up ADAPT. That is a product that would both increase your performance in regards to mental dopamine uh, production, but also it will be a great adrenal support. We've got a little bit of B vitamin in there as well. So if you're just looking for like a quick fix, that may be the best, but if you need help clinically, you know, reach out and I will help you to make a specific protocol. That's it for now. Take great care of yourself. Hey, notice there's not like a super long, like spammy commercially stuff. I mean, I listened to a couple other podcasts the other day and I'm like, ah, don't people get sick of that? Like, especially when there's what they call a mid-roll where there's an ad right in the middle of the podcast. Does that not just frustrate you? Do you just accept it? I mean, I really think you're taking me for granted. I mean, I, I, I hope you love and enjoy the show, but I feel like you're taking me for granted a little bit because I'm not doing that. 
I, I tried to listen to some of these others, and it's just so gross. It's like, oh, I don't want to stop in the middle to hear this, and now I'm going to tell you about this. It's like, ah, can't you at least save it to the end or something? Anyhow, we had sponsors in the past. Uh, we will probably have sponsors in the future, but for me, I don't know. I just get sick of talking about the same thing every week, even if I was getting paid for it, and they're good products that we use. I just like, ah, you know, what's the extra money? You know, I don't know. I'm leaving money on the table. I hope you appreciate that. And uh, hey, maybe I'll have some good sponsors for you soon. But for now, AuraRoots.com, that is my company. Check it out. You can support the show in that way. And we'll be in touch next week. Take care now. Bye-bye.